If you love the History Extra podcast, make sure you follow us to keep up to date and get all the latest episodes. Thanks for your support, and I do hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Have you ever wondered what it's like to bite into nerds' gummy clusters? They're fruity. They're tangy. They're gummy. And they're crunchy. Nerds Gummy Clusters, a union of fruity sweet gummy and tangy crunchy nerds. Unleash your senses. Shop now at nerdscandy.com. You're listening to the History Extra podcast from BBC History magazine. We're the UK's best-selling history magazine, available from all good news agents or via subscription. Check out our latest subscription deals at historyextra.com forward slash subscribe. The magazine is also now available on many digital devices, including the iPad, iPhone, Kindle, Kindle Fire, Google Play, Kobo and Zinio. Look out for us in your app store or newsstand or find out more at historyextra.com forward slash digital. We don't always realise just how much our negative thoughts and experiences stick with us and weigh us down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. 
That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mum does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash history extra today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash history extra. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash History Extra. Just go to Indeed.com slash History Extra right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Welcome, everyone, to our annual Christmas quiz podcast. Um, with me in the studio, as ever, are Charlie Ho Ho Hodgman and Matt Elfon. So this year we have five rounds, each of six questions. So we're going to go through the five rounds first of all. And then after we've finished all of those and you've you've jotted your answers down, we'll then go through all the answers and hopefully you'll all get 30 out of 30. So to begin with round one on nativity, it is Charlie. Question one. Other than the baby Jesus, who always appears in the earliest depictions of the nativity? A, the ox and the ass. B, Mary or C, the three kings. Question two. In his popular nativity opera, Bethlehem, composer Rutland Borton had Jesus born in what? Is it A, a miner's cottage, B, a lord's castle, or C, a German submarine? Question three. Who built the first nativity scene? Was it A, Walt Disney, B, St Francis of Assisi, or C, Prince Albert? Question four. Where did Gauguin set his painting of the nativity? Was it A, Paris, B, Tahiti, or C, Syria? Question five, when did the Vatican first have a nativity scene? Was it A, 452, B, 1852, or C, 1982? And finally, question six, which of the following has not been used as a nativity figure in Naples? Is it A, Herod? B, Silvio Berlusconi's girlfriend, or C, the cast of Italian Big Brother. Okay, we now come to round two, Humbug, and to read the questions, it's Matt. Question one. What was William the Conqueror's Christmas gift to the nation in 1085? Is it A, the Doomsday Book, B, Tax Relief, or C, Westminster Abbey? Question two. Between 1933 and 1943, Nazi ideologists claimed that Santa Claus was actually a Christmas reinvention of whom? Is it A, Attila, B, Odin, or C, Babushka? Question three. 
Why was the diarist John Evelyn arrested in church on Christmas Day 1657? Is it A, for singing Easter hymns, B, for not celebrating Christmas, or C, for celebrating Christmas? Question 4. Why did wrestler Big Daddy allegedly hate Christmas as a child? Is it A, he always received girls' presents, B, he never received any presents, or C, he hated sprouts? Question 5. Why did First Lord of the Admiralty Sir Eric Geddes write to the First Sea Lord John Jellicoe at 6pm on Christmas Eve 1917? Was it A, to wish him a happy Christmas, B, to apologise for not inviting him to the Admiralty Christmas party, or C, to fire him? Question 6. What did 17th century English Puritans think was idolatry in crust? Is it A. Simnel cake, B. Mince pies, or C. Epiphany pie? Now we come to round three on gifts. Question 1. What was the first gift certificate for? Was it A. Socks, B. Books, or C. Food? Question 2. Which 1914 present took five years to reach its recipients? Was it A, the first postal order, B, the first teddy bear, or C, Princess Mary's gift box? Question three. What unwanted Christmas present did art collector Sir Philip Sassoon try to give to the descendants of Robert Andrews every year? Was it A, a blank cheque, B, a blank canvas, or C, a blank verse? Question 4. What did the Burbage brothers steal away from Shoreditch at Christmas 1598? Was it A. A toy theatre, B. A real theatre, or C. The props from Twelfth Night? Question 5. Every Christmas, Joseph Swan received a large hamper marked Glass with Care from Surgeon Astley Cooper. What was inside it? Was it A. A body... B, 12 bottles of claret, or C, nothing. And finally for this round, question six. Who did Nell Gwynne leave £20 in perpetuity to every Christmas? Was it A, postmen, B, debtors, or C, children? Now we come to round four, deck the halls, and to read out these questions, it is Charlie. Question one. At Christmas 1171, Henry the Young King held a lavish party in which one room was filled with 110 watts. Is it A, golden geese, B, knights called William, or C, different types of bread? Question two. What sport did Walter Clopton first demonstrate at a Welsh country house Christmas party at Nant Clwyd in 1873? Is it A, badminton, B, lawn tennis, or C, roller skating? Question three. The fake snow used in the movie It's a Wonderful Life was made out of what? Is it A, fibreglass, B, asbestos, or C, cotton? Question four. Why were the first British pantomimes silent? Is it A, spoken drama was banned anywhere except licensed theatres? B, cheaper actors could be used as there were no lines to learn? Or C, it was considered bad luck to speak on stage? Question five. The first artificial Christmas trees have branches made of what? A. Toilet brushes B. Fur or C. Feathers Question 6. Which Christmas movie favourite was voted one of the top 25 horror films of all time in a 2007 article in Time magazine? Was it A. Jaws B. It's a Wonderful Life or C. Bambi
now we come to our final round, round five, Christmas Day. And to read the questions, it's Matt. Question one. What Christmas edition, started by his father, did George VI refuse to adopt until 1939? Was it A, making the Christmas broadcast, B, stirring the Christmas pudding, or C, putting presents in stockings instead of round the tree? Question two. What did Henry VII promise to do on Christmas Day 1483? Was it A, reduce tax, B, eat a whole roast boar in one sitting, or C, marry Elizabeth of York? Question three. Why was Ellen Doyle so ungrateful when famed Victorian lifesaver Mark Addy rescued her from the River Irwell on Christmas Day, 1878? Was she A, trying to commit suicide, B, taking part in the annual Christmas swim, or C, fishing? Question four. Sir Arthur Nivett Wilson's refusal to do what at Christmas got him the nickname Old Ardart from his crew. Was it A, pull a cracker, B, come into harbour, or C, double the rum ration. Question 5. Antarctic explorer James Francis Hurley is said to have used three biscuits, some snow, seven raisins, sugar, methylated spirits, and an old sock to make what? Is it A, an emergency flare, B, a Christmas card, or C, a Christmas pudding? And finally, 6. What did the Virgin Mary call her newborn son? Was it A, Joseph, B, Jesus, or C, Joshua? So um, that's the end of the quiz. So we'll now go through all of the answers. So do pause your episode here if you haven't quite finished filling them in. But we'll go to round one now. So to read the answers to round one, nativity, it is Charlie. So question one was, other than the baby Jesus, who always appears in the earliest depictions of the nativity? And the answer was A, the ox and the ass. The earliest representations of the nativity are very simple, just showing the infant Jesus tightly wrapped lying near the ground in a trough or wicker basket. The ox and the ass are always present, even when Mary or another human is not. Question two. In his popular nativity opera Bethlehem, composer Rutland Borton had Jesus born in what? The answer was A, a miner's cottage. In 1926, in sympathy with the general strike and the miners' lockout, Borton set his nativity in modern dress, with Jesus born in a miners' cottage and Herod depicted as a top-hatted capitalist, flanked by soldiers and police. Question 3. Who built the first nativity scene? The answer was B. St Francis of Assisi. St Francis of Assisi is credited with creating the first nativity scene, a live one, in 1223, having been inspired by his recent visit to the Holy Land, where he had been shown Jesus' traditional birthplace. Question four was where did Gauguin set his painting of the nativity? The answer was B, Tahiti. Paul Gauguin painted a nativity scene in 1896, set in his adoptive home of Tahiti. Question five was when did the Vatican first have a nativity scene? It was C, 1982. In 1982, Pope John Paul II inaugurated the annual tradition of placing a nativity scene on display in the Vatican City in St Peter's Square before the Christmas tree. And question six, which of the following has not been used as a nativity figure in Naples? The answer was A, Herod. Naples is the capital of the nativity scene and makers offer everything from famous footballers to politicians, all of whom can then be placed around your stable. Okay, so now it's round two, Humbug, and Matt will read the answers. 
So question one was, what was William the Conqueror's Christmas gift to the nation in 1085? And the answer is A, the Doomsday Book. At his Christmas council at Gloucester in 1085, William commissioned perhaps the nation's least welcome Christmas present, the Doomsday Survey. Question two, between 1933 and 1943, Nazi ideologists claimed that Santa Claus was actually a Christian reinvention of whom? The answer was B, Odin. Nazi ideologists claimed that the Christian elements of Christmas had been superimposed upon ancient Germanic traditions. They argued that Santa Claus was a Christian reinvention of the Germanic god Odin. Accordingly, holiday posters were made to depict Odin as the solstice man, riding a white charger, sporting a thick grey beard and carrying a sack full of gifts. Question three, why was the diarist John Evelyn arrested in church on Christmas Day 1657? The answer was C, for celebrating Christmas. On 8th of June 1647, the Puritan Parliament issued an ordinance for abolishing of festivals, which attempted to ban the celebration of Christmas. As a result, Old Father Christmas became a rallying figure for royalists, being eventually restored with Charles II in 1660. Question four, why did wrestler Big Daddy allegedly hate Christmas as a child? The answer is A, he always received girls' presents. Big Daddy was born into a very poor Halifax family and was unfortunately christened Shirley Crabtree. So during his youth, well-meaning charities would send the family Christmas presents for girls. Question five, why did First Lord of the Admiralty Sir Eric Geddes write to First Sea Lord John Jellicoe at 6pm on Christmas Eve 1917? The answer is C, to fire him. Geddes sacked Jellicoe at 6pm on Christmas Eve as he thought it would be a good time to bury bad news. And finally, question six, what did 17th century English Puritans think was idolatry in crust? The answer was B, mince pies. A tradition in England involved baking a mince pie in the shape of a manger to hold the Christ child. When the Puritans banned Christmas celebrations in the 17th century, they also passed specific legislation to outlaw such idolatry in crust. And now we come to round three, which was on gifts. So question one, what was the first gift certificate for? And the answer was B, books. The book token was first issued in 1932, based on an idea by Harold Raymond, an English publisher who noticed that for Christmas he rarely received books. He thought the problem was that people would love to buy a book, but were frightened of getting the wrong one, so didn't. Question two, which 1914 present took five years to reach its recipients? The answer was C, Princess Mary's gift box. For Christmas 1914, the King's 17-year-old daughter, Princess Mary, decided to send every single member of the armed services at the front or at sea a Christmas present. However, many entitled personnel did not receive their gift for five years due to a shortage of brass. In January 1919, it was reported that considerable numbers had still not been distributed. Question three, what unwanted Christmas present did art collector Sir Philip Sassoon try to give to the descendants of Robert Andrews every year? And the answer was A, a blank cheque. The double portrait of Mr and Mrs Andrews by Gainsborough was so loved by the politician and art collector Sir Philip Sassoon that he sent the city's descendants a blank cheque every Christmas in the hope that they could be persuaded to sell it. They only did so after his death. Question four. What did the Burbage brothers steal away from Shoreditch at Christmas 1598? And the answer was B, a real theatre. After a dispute over the renewal of the lease, on the night of the 28th of December 1598, the Burbage brothers dismantled their theatre, known as the theatre, and moved it across the river to be reconstructed on the south bank as the globe. Question five, 
Every Christmas, Joseph Swan received a large hamper marked Glass with Care from Surgeon Astley Cooper. What was inside? And the answer was A, a body. Working in Lincoln, anatomist Swan found it hard to procure enough human cadavers for his work, so his London-based friend, Astley Cooper, used to send him one as a Christmas present each year. Question 6. Who did Nell Gwynn leave £20 in perpetuity to every Christmas? Well, the answer was B, debtors. Nell Gwynn left £20 a year in her will to release debtors from prison every Christmas day. So now we come to our penultimate round, Deck the Halls, and to read the answers, it's Charlie. So question one was, for Christmas 1171, Henry the Young King held a lavish party in which one room was filled with 110 watts. And the answer was B, 110 knights called William. For reasons now lost in the mists of history, Henry thought it would be fun to fill one room with 110 knights called William. Question two was, what sport did Walter Clopton first demonstrate at a Welsh country house Christmas party at Nant Clwyd in 1873? The answer was B, lawn tennis. Clopton called his sport spherostike, from the Greek for playing at ball, but, on the advice of friends, added all lawn tennis to the patent. Question three, the fake snow used in the movie It's a Wonderful Life was made out of what? The answer was B, asbestos. Asbestos fake snow was first introduced to reduce the risk of fires from the previously used cotton batting. Question four was why were the first British pantomimes silent? The answer was A, spoken drama was banned anywhere except licensed theatres. Spoken drama was only allowed in London in certain patent theatres after the Theatrical Licensing Act of 1737. Question five, the first artificial Christmas trees had branches made of what? The answer was C, feathers. The first artificial Christmas trees appeared in late 19th century Germany and were made of goose feathers dyed green and bound together with wire. They were created partly as a response to deforestation in Germany. And finally, question six, which Christmas movie favourite was voted one of the top 25 horror films of all time in a 2007 article in Time magazine? The answer was C, Bambi. Bambi wasn't originally a success and actually lost money at the box office on its initial release. During the Second World War, Winston Churchill used to keep up his morale by watching it. And finally, round five, Christmas Day, and to read the answers, it's Matt. So question one in this round was what Christmas edition started by his father did George VI refuse to adopt until 1939? The answer is A, making the Christmas broadcast. Due to his speech impediment, George VI initially avoided making the annual Christmas broadcast. In 1939, with the outbreak of war, he reluctantly agreed, quoting the now famous line, I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. Question two, what did Henry VII promise to do on Christmas Day 1483? The answer is C, marry Elizabeth of York. After the unsuccessful rebellion against Richard III in October 1483, Henry Tudor retired to Brittany and in Wren Cathedral on Christmas Day 1483 promised to marry Elizabeth of York should he become King of England. This astute promise would help to end the Wars of the Roses. Question 3. Why was Ellen Doyle so ungrateful when famed Victorian lifesaver Mark Addy rescued her from the River Irwell on Christmas Day 1878? The answer was A, she was trying to take her own life. Addy reportedly left his family dinner and plunged into the icy water to rescue Doyle, defying her pleas to be allowed to die. No, I am going to take you out. It is my business to save you, he was reported to shout. Question 4. Sir Arthur Nivett Wilson's refusal to do what at Christmas got him the nickname Old Ardart from his crew? 
The answer is B, come into harbour. In 1903, Sir Arthur Nivett Wilson conducted the world's first anti-submarine exercises, although his refusal to come into harbour for Christmas Day led him to being called Old Ardart by those on the lower deck. Question five. Antarctic explorer James Francis Hurley is said to have used three biscuits, some snow, seven raisins, sugar, methylated spirits and an old sock to make what? The answer is C, a Christmas pudding. In 1912, Hurley was on his way back from the South Pole when he is said to have made a plum pudding for Christmas dinner by grating three biscuits with a saw, adding sugar and seven raisins flavoured with meths, mixing them with snow and boiling them in an old sock over the primer stove. And finally, question six. What did the Virgin Mary call her newborn son? The answer is C, Joshua. The Hebrew name of Mary and Joseph's son was Yeshua, which, translated into English, would be Joshua. Jesus came to us via the Hellenised Jesus. OK, so that was the end of this year's Christmas quiz. Do get in touch to let us know how you did by posting on our Facebook or Twitter pages. The questions were set by Justin Pollard, who is an author and historical advisor who works on QI, among other things. You can keep up with him on Twitter via at Justin Pollard. And if you want more trivia to tackle, then I'm sure you'll enjoy our Christmas edition, which contains our annual bumper history quiz. Also in this month's issue, there are articles on Victorian hardship, Mary Queen of Scots rivalry with Elizabeth I, Game of Thrones and the Battle of the Atlantic, among other things. You can still get hold of our Christmas edition for a few more days in all good news agents and digitally. And you've also got just a week to go to take advantage of our special Christmas subscription offer. If you're in the UK, you get to choose a fantastic free history book when you subscribe, including new accounts of Ancient Rome, Magna Carta, the Battle of the Somme and a Tudor Princess. To take advantage of this deal, please visit historyextra.com forward slash subscribe. Well, that is all for this episode. We hope all our listeners have a very enjoyable Christmas and we'll be back on New Year's Eve to talk about Victorian baking and the Leningrad Symphony. So please do join us for that. Thanks for listening to this History Extra podcast, which was produced by Jack Fletcher. Do let us know what you think about this episode by emailing podcast at historyextra.com and we might read out your messages in future episodes. Alternatively, why not keep in touch via Twitter or Facebook, where you'll find us at History Extra. For more great history content, don't forget to visit our website historyextra.com where you will find history quizzes, galleries, articles and more. Plus, it's where you can download every single previous episode of this podcast. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.